Hello, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Michael Ikea. I'm a mortgage loan officer with Gateway Mortgage right here in beautiful Austin, Texas, and I'll be your host today for the Austin Real Estate Podcast. With me today is David Sandvig. Hi, David. Hey, how's it going, Michael? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I wanted to start off. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just you know, give us a little bit of background information. Yeah, so I'm David. I uh, you know was born and raised in Houston, and like to say I studied abroad at Wisconsin. Uh, you know, stayed up north for a few years, got my degree there. Um, moved back to Austin like eight years ago now. Um, I was a geologist for a while. Worked in you know oil and gas at a tech company. Um, formerly Drilling Info, now in Veris. Um, when I'm not working, generally enjoy hiking with my wife. Uh, I guess I used to say that, but she's uh, currently seven months pregnant, so not not too much hiking recently. Uh, Lots. <laughs> but, but yeah, when yeah we're not hiking, I, I enjoy you know, biking. I'm part of uh, a cycling club here, Violet Crown. Also race with them. Um, we also foster retired racing greyhounds with uh, Galt Greyhound Assistance League of Texas. I think we've had like 15 foster dogs now. Um, yeah. And then of course I'm a realtor with Realty One as well. I'm working very closely with my mentor, Jeremy Wilson right now. Uh, we've got some exciting news coming soon, but can't, can't share what the news is just yet, but um, yeah, stay tuned for, for more from me and Jeremy in the next couple of weeks. I love it. I love the teaser. That's good. We'll, we'll make sure we get it out there. Maybe get uh, you and Jeremy back on the, on the podcast after you've got some, some things launched. Before we dive into more about real estate here in Austin, tell me, what's your favorite place to hear live music in Austin? Oh, so it's a, a toss-up between the Moody Theater and the new Moody Center, but I think I still have to go with the Moody Theater. I've, I've only been once, but it was for, uh, you know, I think part of the reason might be I had, had free tickets. It is uh, Alejandro Escovedo, and, you know, it was, it's such an, an intimate stage, and I feel like in Austin, you usually get, like, the intimate setting or like you know a nicer venue and moody theaters kind of got the best of both worlds there where you know there's not a bad seat in the house and i think we were like third or fourth row but you could like get up and stand by the stage so definitely uh, a fan of the moody theater very cool i love alejandro escovedo as well that's awesome all right cool well let's dive into some real estate questions that's what we're here for today so um you know we all know that there's been some drastic changes in the market recently. It's all over the news. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, do you think housing inventory specifically, do you think that will continue to rise in 2023 and become a true buyer's market? Or do you think this increase in inventory is more temporary? That is a great question. And I've wavered back and forth on it. I, you know, If you asked me two months ago, I would have said that the rising rates and the typical season seasonal slowdown are going to exacerbate each other and make it seem worse than it is. Um, you know, now, now that we're experiencing that I'm, I've gotten a little more pessimistic. Um, you know, at the end of the day, nobody can predict the future. Um, I did see an article with that cited black Knight. Um, they're like the largest aggregator of real estate data nationally. And I really like their take on it. They're predicting a five to 10% depreciation over the next year in the Austin market specifically. Um, with the asterisk that it could be 10 to 20% if um, we go into a national recession, which you know, I'm not a stock market expert, but I did see that you know, on September 13th, we missed our 
the inflation numbers that were projected. And, and then I think it was September 3rd, Jerome Powell announced a couple more rate hikes. So, um, you know, if, if I had to throw a number on it, I think the, the 10 to 20 is you know, pretty realistic. But back to your question, as far as inventory goes, I don't think we'll be at or above six months for a long time on the whole, you know, even with that you know, relatively pessimistic take, I'd say you know, on the whole, I really am optimistic about, um, you know, Austin on the whole, so I'd say, you know, five to 10 years from now, Austin's going to be fine. More and more people are moving here. More and more jobs are coming here. More and more millennials are buying here, are, are buying homes. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it always comes back to the uh, old saying, you know, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Um, you know, it's, it's enticing to like predict the crash or predict, you know, the, the downturn. But I do think that millennials and even, you know, Gen X and, you know, baby boomers and everybody has a little bit of a, a recency bias where, you know, with March of 2020 and 2008, we think like, you know, crashes have to be these, you know, big horrific events where, you know, I think a little bit of a correction isn't always a bad thing. Um, you know, it's not going to undo the past two years. And at the end of the day, you know, I was looking at Texas A&M real estate center data, you know, Austin real estate, um, you know, MSA has gone up 28 of the past 31 years. Two of those years were pretty much flat years. And then, you know, it's only had one year in the red. So, you know, I still think on a, a long scale, like five to 10 year basis, Austin real estate is going to be you know, a great investment. But there's a, a long answer to a short question. So uh, rambling a little bit there. <laughs> You're all good. You're all good. That's good news and good information. And yeah, we'll see what the we'll see what the future brings. It's unknown right now, but we'll just keep an eye on the news and keep an eye on those stats. Uh, so uh, let's go on. You you mentioned earlier that you'd recently become a full time realtor. So tell me, what helped you to make the decision to change careers? Yeah, you know, it was always a long term goal of mine. Um, you know, I think in 2017 or 2018, I I had like a, a 10 year plan. Um, and I think I even mentioned to you at that point in 2018 or 19, Michael, I said, you know, my goal is to get to 10 doors in 10 years. And, um, the pandemic kind of put that in a, you know, incubator or pressure cooker and expedited, uh, all of it. So, um, you know, my, my job at the time, I was a geologist and we, you know, did the whole work from home thing. I definitely had zoom fatigue, um, on top of the pandemic. My company had acquired a, a company in Canada and I, you know, there was no end in sight for the Zoom meetings. I was going to be reporting to, to people in, in Canada. I definitely felt anchored to my computer. You know, it was really self-imposed pressure, but, you know, pressure nonetheless. Um, and then meanwhile, my investment properties were doing pretty well. Um, you know, I, I saw a saying once that's like when you know, you're young, your goal is to open as many doors as possible, but eventually in your career, you, you have to start closing doors and, you know, you can only step through one at a time. And yeah, I was really kind of had three, three doors at the time to step through and real estate was definitely, you know, the most attractive to me. And I'd, I'd say that came down to, you know, that yearning for more human to human interactions and, you know, being out and about and actually experiencing the wonderful city we live in instead of being, you know, cooped up at home, uh, at a computer. 
That's great. Yeah, I fully understand that. This, this has been a very strange year and, and yeah, a lot of people have been switching after the pandemic has kind of wound down. We're seeing a lot of people switching careers. So it's uh, wish you the best of luck, of course. Uh, so let's talk more about that. What's Right now, as you're ra- ramping up to become a realtor, what do you feel is the most important action that you're doing right now? Yeah, so obviously I spend a lot of time paying attention to the markets. Yeah, I already mentioned Black Knight and uh, the Texas A&M Real Estate Center. I also pay you know, super close attention to Amor and Matrix and the Austin market in particular. Um, and then as on the investment side, I like to pay attention to bigger pockets. There's usually some good good takes there on on what the real estate market's going to do nationally. Um, but you know, on you know, more pertinent to my business as a realtor, the things that I've been doing to to ramp up there been doing a ton of open houses. That's probably the most direct driver of you know bringing in new business. And then also one huge change for me has been posting regularly on social media. I, uh, I kind of look at social media as it can either be a liability or an asset. And when I just started as a realtor, I was one of those people that never posted on you know social media at all. And I think it was kind of a liability at that time. And now I'm posting regularly and you're not really... It's not really a source of business for me yet, but, and I don't know if it ever will be, but I, I think I've at least removed the liability where, you know, I, I have some online presence and you can see I'm a, a real human being and, and not, uh, you know, just a name on a screen. Um, and then I guess lastly, yeah, you know, things I should be better about. I think, you know, if you, I'm a relatively new agent, but if you were, you know, a day one brand new agent, I think the two things I'd recommend is be as consistent as possible and find a great mentor. And you know, I've been very lucky in you know, finding a great mentor with, with Jeremy Wilson. Very cool. Hey, you mentioned real quick, I'm going to ask you just a little bit of detail, bigger pockets. That's, that's the, for those on listening to the podcast who might not have ever heard of bigger pockets, just to yes. give a quick, quick explanation of what that is. So it's, it's a lot of things. I'd say it's a, like primarily a forum online. They've got a few podcasts. Um, the podcasts are really what turned me on to real estate investing. You know, at this point, they also have YouTube videos. Uh, they also have books. And then it's a good network of people. So like the message boards there, like you can talk to other real estate professionals all over the nation, other real estate investors. Um, you know, they have some like wholesale properties marketed there, but that's you know, not really the reason to you know, get on. Uh, but yeah, generally just a great place to network with other real estate investors or anyone related to real estate investing. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, that's awesome. I love bigger pockets, but I, I don't think enough people know what it is. So I'm glad you mentioned it so we can get it out there and hopefully get some people to go visit it. That's awesome. Uh, hey, earlier you'd mentioned open houses. You sat an open house last weekend. Um, for realtors who might be listening, who've maybe never done one of these, what is an open house exactly? And what do you do there as the realtor? Uh, yeah, so as the realtor, you're you know, showing the house to anybody that wants to come in and, and take a look at it. Um, you know, I I would say it's probably easiest to get open houses with realtors in your brokerage, but you can reach out to realtors from other brokerages as well. Uh, they're usually pretty, you know, acceptable or accepting of uh, you offering to to host one for them. Um, in my experience, most realtors just want what's best for their client and having. You know, more eyeballs on the property is is only a good thing for marketing. Um, you know, as far as what properties or what houses I choose to show, 
I do have a few you know, little bits of criteria. I try and get a house that's less than two turns away from a major road that makes setting up uh, signs much easier. And then, you know, one like mindset thing that I didn't necessarily understand going in. A lot of times people think, you know, the only interactions you're going to have are going to be at that open house with the individuals that walk through that door. Um, yeah, there's definitely room for, you know, more interactions than that. I try and door knock the neighborhood on like the Friday before the open house, talk to the neighbors ahead of time, invite them over. It's not a bad way to, you know, either hopefully find somebody else that wants to sell or, you know, they say nobody sells, sells a neighborhood like the neighbors do. Like there's a good chance that one of them knows somebody that's trying to move to that neighborhood. Um, and then, you know, as far as sign setup goes, I'll set up, you know, 20 signs. Um, I do use like a little voicemail service that I can drop voicemails to you know, the neighbors as well. And so I'll, you know, door knock and then send a voicemail and yeah, you know, try and get a couple points of contact and kind of build up some rapport, hopefully. Um, and then at the open house itself, I like to try and hit all of the senses. So, you know, I set up music, you know, it's always kind of weird to me walking into a house that's totally silent where you know, if you have a little speaker playing, I, I play a elevator music playlist. So it's not, not great music, but it's music. Um, and then, you know, if you can do even more than that, you know, cook some, make some cookies, you know, get the smell and taste going and you have that kind of permeating throughout the house and make it feel like home. Uh, I think all of those things kind of, you know, get your brain thinking about it as a home instead of uh, an unoccupied house. <laughs> That's awesome. And I always, <clears throat> I always recommend to my buyers when they're going to go look at open houses or if they're searching for homes that, you know, walking into an open house, even if the house itself is not perfect, might not be what they want. They can look through these open houses to kind of see what kind of kitchen they might like or what size backyard or what kind of amenities they want or the layout without having to actually pick one yet. They can kind of look around and basically like shop basically by going to these open houses. And I always let them know that there's no obligation whatsoever when you're a buyer and you want to go look in an open house you see it open, go, go walk in. It's okay. The realtor that will be sitting there will talk to you and, and, and explain the house and offer their services, but there's no obligation whatsoever. And I try to tell people that so that they're not afraid. If you see an open house sign, go check it out, see what it is. Yeah. Very sure. cool. Just building on that a little bit, like last weekend, the open house I did like multiple neighbors that were remodeling stopped by. And one was like, I've got the same floor plan mirrored or, I love how they opened up the kitchen or yeah, exactly yep. you know, what you're describing. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, let's keep moving on. How about, uh, I know that one of the things that realtors do often, there's networking events. Uh, what's your strategy with networking? Uh, so I go to a couple networking events. Most of them are more on the investment side, but you do meet a ton of real estate professionals there. Um, two of the ones I'd like, I don't go every month, but multifamily investor nation, um, they're in Northwest Austin. And then also in Northwest Austin, Austin Commercial Real Estate Investing Discussion Group. That's a, uh, a mouthful, but uh, the first one, Multifamily Investor Nation, they meet on Monday nights, first Monday of the month. Um, and then Austin Commercial Real Estate Investing Discussion Group is uh, every Tuesday at lunch. And so yeah, it's a, it can be a nice break to the day to yeah, go talk with 
20 to 100 people. It's usually a pretty big group. Um, and then lastly, bigger pockets is huge for me. Um, I don't, I've gone to a couple networking events that were advertised on bigger pockets, but generally, like my MO is anytime somebody's interested in Austin or interested in networking, yeah, I try and grab a coffee with them. Um, I'll ping them on the side and just say, like, hey, saw you're interested in Austin. Like, you know, I'd love to treat you to a coffee, like, hear about what your goals are, share my experiences. And, yeah, so far that's been, yeah, I've met with a few people already and meeting with someone tomorrow. So it, yeah, that works pretty well for me. Very good. Very good. Um, so let's talk, You like we mentioned earlier, and you kind of explained that this is a, a new role for you. So what is something that you learned from your previous roles that are helping you now in your real estate career? Oh, yeah. So I, I realized at first glance, like geologists and realtor are not super related. And, uh, yeah, I, but I actually do think a lot of the, the skill sets are, are the same. Um, so for one, like with geology, you're looking at rock properties on you know, a map. It's you know, spatial thinking and you know, you're analyzing whether it's like good gamma ray, brittleness, depth, porosity. But in real estate, you're pretty much doing the same thing where you're looking at a geographic area and trying to manage, you know, a thousand different variables where it's like, what's the price, the price per square foot, the square footage, you know, the bedrooms, you know, proximity to work and school. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're, you're thinking spatially about a, a in, in real estate, a market with a thousand variables in geology, you know, rock properties with a thousand variables. But I do think a lot of the skill set there is the same. Um, one other thing that, you know, kind of jumped out at me, um, I think geologists are known for thinking about things in scale changes, right? We might look at a hundred year floodplain or, you know, 10 to hundred thousand year sea level changes in the Permian basin, 250 million years ago, where I think that's a good way to look at the real estate market. Um, you know, we can look at it over the past you know, month, what's happening over the past you know, year, what's happening over the past three years, over the past you know, 10 years. And, and, you know, I think that kind of peaks through when you ask me my opinion on the market, it's like five to 10 years from now, like the Austin market's going to be great. You know, over the next year, there's a little more uncertainty for me. You know, at, at the way I think about it at the end of 2023, you'll probably be happy with the past three years. You know, right now looking forward, I think in 2024, you'd be happy with the past three years. So, you know, the Austin market, how's it going to do over, you know, the next month, the next year, the next three years, the next five to 10 years, like, you know, I think being able to, to balance those, you know, scale changes is, is important. And then lastly, I'd say, you know, all of these are kind of, all my answers so far have been like the what's and more, uh, you know, concrete answer answers, but at the end of the day in, in geology, it, it's all about figuring out the why, like, why does this rock perform better than that rock? And in real estate, I think it's very similar where, you know, you can hear what your clients want, but you have to understand why your clients want what they want. And, um, you know, one good example with that, I, you know, I've mentioned him a few times, but I'm going to keep you know, name dropping him. Uh, Jeremy Wilson, my, my mentor, and he was actually my realtor before I was a realtor myself. Um, you know, he had me list like my criteria for my perfect house. And I was like, Oh, it's got to have, you know, a big backyard. You know, fast forward a few years. I'm in, you know, got my house and I have a very small backyard, but the why was I needed a space for my dogs to play. 
and I have a big fenced in front yard. So my dogs play in the front yard instead of in the backyard. So um, I think you've got to be able to like peel back those layers and figure out the, you know, why is this person interested in, you know, four bedrooms? Could it be three bedrooms and an office or does it you know, really have to be four bedrooms? Um, but yeah, that's at first glance, not a very similar skill set. But in my opinion, I've, I've been able to, you know, transfer a lot of it from geology to real estate. That's great. That's awesome. I love it. And and you would at first you'd go, mm, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Makes sense. No, that's that's very good. And there are a thousand variables at least. So that's awesome. Um, and and you just mentioned this. So <clears throat> before you became a realtor, uh, you were already investing in real estate. So I'm just curious, uh, what got? How did you do your first? investment investment property like what 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 made you take that leap and say i want to i want to own a property as an investment property well i'm gonna i'm gonna go one step further back than that if you if you haven't noticed i can't can't give a short answer but uh yeah i'd say yeah my what initially piqued my interest in real estate was you know maybe circa 2015 2016 seeing all the short-term rentals for like south by and acl and you know seeing oh you could get you know a million dollars a night if you rent out your condo. And I was kind of talking with a friend and I was like, maybe you should rent out your house and you can stay with us. Or like, we'll rent out our house and we could stay with you for a weekend and like, you know, make a few hundred bucks. Why not? Um, and so that's kind of when the gears started turning in my opinion. And then 2017, I, you know, one of my fellow geologists, I, I joined a team um, with her and her husband, Tiffany and, and Eric, um, and actually Eric was on a, at a different company, but nonetheless, they were buying duplexes and they would buy one duplex, move into one half, rent out the other half. And then after a year or two, they'd buy another duplex. And, you know, I think they were at four duplexes before they left Austin in like 2020, 2021. Um, so they, yeah, you had a time machine. They, they made some great decisions, but, you know, seeing that kind of, led me to believe like, oh, this is doable. Like there's, this seems like generally a good idea. And, you know, fast forwarding to 2018, um, you know, I was moving into my current house and um, was luckily in a financial position where I didn't have to sell my old house. And so I turned my first house that I lived in into a rental, uh, started renting that out in, in 2018. And then in 2019, uh, you yeah, know, this is, I think I already, said it. I can't remember if I mentioned it already or not, but yeah, in 2019, I, that was when I bought my first investment property or like specifically to be an investment property. Um, I think I remember telling you, Michael, that I was going to get to 10 doors in 10 years. And you know, for the record, I'm at five in five years right now. So it, uh, it's, it's been good the, the past few years. And, uh, but yeah, sorry, I've been rambling too much. What was uh, the question? No, no, that's good. That's good. That that, that was exactly it. That was exactly it. What, what what got you started? That's what we were looking for. That was good. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think too. The um, you know, in full disclosure, uh, I've been David's lender <laughs> on these properties. So uh, just as a as a full disclosure to to our relationship, I did know David prior to him becoming a realtor. I was I and I still am his lender. Uh, so we've got a, a lot of familiarity going back 
before David Simon was a realtor. So I uh, just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. That's not a secret out there. Okay, um, let's go forward then. You kind of talked about this, but let's ask specifically. If, if I wanted to buy an investment property and I was planning to hold it for five plus years, where would you recommend that I buy? So my, I think there's a lot of different philosophies and a lot of different ways to make investments work in, in Austin. But you know, with, with kind of my strategy, my philosophy, I've always been a buy and hold investor. Um, and what I look for is, you know, I've, I've never had a property in the red on an, an annual basis. Um, and so you know, people talk about Austin and say it's not a cash flow market or you can't buy anything that cash flows these days. It is hard to find. A lot of things don't, um, but there you can still find them. Um, and so my goal is to find something that isn't going to cost me money. And I'm more focused on IRR, like what the you know, internal rate of return is going to be um, you know, down the road. And so I'm, I'm fine not having like significant cash flow day one. Um, so with that in mind, I'd say the areas that you know, really interest me right now, um, you'd have to. I have one that's like my pick and then two that I feel like obligated to talk about. So I think Taylor with the Samsung factory coming, like, I think that's, you know, a no brainer that you have to talk about. I think Bastrop with the, you know, 71 highway expansion, that's going to cut down commute times a bunch. And then Tesla is also on the East side of town there. Um, yeah, I think you have to talk about those two. So Taylor and Bastrop are, are definitely hot markets and interesting right now for investors. Uh, but then, yeah, kind of my dark sheep, I would, uh, or black sheep, dark horse, uh, I would say, uh, Leander interests me. Uh, yeah, they've got a you know, big development at, it's, I think it's called Northline Leander. Um, and I've heard somebody call it you know, the domain 2.0. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, real estate is local and it comes down to like the properties that are available and what you can find there. And you know, I've seen a property or two that, you know, both single family and multifamily that that caught my eye caught my eye in that area. So, yeah, I'd say Taylor, Bastrop, Leander, you know, more more on the outskirts of town are are all interesting to me. Very good, thank you for that. All right, so if uh, if a client's listening to this, a potential buyer or seller is listening to to this podcast, what would they what could they expect if they called David Sandvig and said, "Hey, I, I want you to represent me. I want you to help me out." What what, what would they expect in, in that situation? Um, so I'd say, you know, two things concisely, responsiveness and honesty. Uh, I'm going to be as transparent with you as possible. And, you know, as soon as you reach out to me and I'll reach out to you, but as soon as you know you need me, I'm going to be there. Um, you know, I'd also say, you know, one of the little differentiating things for, for me, I, I think your average realtor is, you know, very uh, outgoing and not as detail oriented or not necessarily a numbers person, but I'm, I'm definitely have the detail orientedness and, uh, you know, love, love getting in the numbers and in the weeds. So definitely enjoy working with investors. Uh, but you know, that being said, can, can work with anybody and, and definitely up for it. And, and to that end, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for buyers or sellers to get in touch with you right now? Uh, I would say call or text either one. Uh, my cell phone number is 713-492-4747. Um, and then, you know, honestly, I check my email regularly, david at davidsandvigrealtor.com and you know, check my Instagram 
regularly, David underscore Sandvig underscore Realtor. Um, so any of those work, yeah, but yeah, call or text would probably be the quickest. Okay, good. And we'll make sure we get all of our contact information in the description for the podcast and uh, get that included in there. So if anybody wants to get in touch with either of us, they will know how to do that. So well, I wanted to thank you so much, David, for being with us today. Uh, lots of information, lots of great information. I really love the investor perspective. It's something that I think more and more people are, are looking into and less and less information is out there compared to, say, first-time homebuyers and things like that. So really appreciate you getting in the weeds with that. Uh, we wish you all the best in your real estate endeavors. Oh, thanks a ton, Michael. I, I loved it. And it, was, it was great being here. <laughs> And this has been the Austin Real Estate Podcast with your host, Michael Ikea. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next time.